welcome to the CCFR Radio Podcast, your source for news, updates, and stories from the CCFR. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 157 of the CCFR Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Giltaka. Thanks for joining me again. Uh, great to see you all back after the holiday season, after Christmas, after Hanukkah, you name it. Um, hopefully you had a great one. You had some time to, to take some time off and, and spend uh, some quality time with friends and family. I did a little bit of that, which is uh, which I'm thankful for. But anyway, um, oddly enough, we've got lots of stuff to talk about. But before we get started, I just want to thank the sponsors of the CCFR Radio Podcast. A huge thank you goes out to our great friends over at the Saskatchewan Rivers Chapter of Safari Club International. They do a lot of great work over there, including supporting the CCFR and the CCFR Radio Podcast. Check out all their great work at saskriversci.com. That's saskriversci.com. And thank you so much to our great friends over at Vortex Canada. They continue to support the CCFR podcast and the CCFR. Can't say enough about them. Check out all their great products at vortexcanada.net. That's vortexcanada.net. Vortex, the force of optics. Need a new boomstick? Bullseye North is Canada's shooting superstore and a proud supporter of the CCFR. With a wide selection of guns and top trending gear for any shooter, they have what you need. Plus, free shipping over $250, which includes ammo, or flat rate shipping of $17 under $250. Some conditions apply. Subscribe to their weekly newsletter to get first access to the hottest deals. C-Toms has been a provider of trauma care training to military and police in Canada for nearly two decades. Now this emergency medical training is being made available to a wider audience through C-Toms online courses. Go to ctomsacademy.com and use promo code CCFR30 to get 30% off. That's ctomsacademy.com. All right, we are back. So as I mentioned, I'm going to give you that list of everything that we did in 2023 that I promised. And uh, I think to, to, to show you how, like it took a couple hours to compile it. And because, I, you know, we do projects, we do a lot of stuff, right? And we do projects. And then for me, like, I, it's strange. I have this photographic memory in like all these different ways. And then I'm like an Alzheimer's patient in other ways, right? So <laughs> there's a lot going on up here apparently. Um, but uh, it took a couple hours to go back and be like, oh yeah, that's right, we did that. And how I did, I just wanted to kind of share this with you. So I'm a really busy person for a number of reasons. And, um, and the way that I run my life is I, I use these these binders, right? These uh, coil coil bound um, notebooks I get from whatever Staples, right? Office supply place. And basically how this works, and, and I just want to show this to you, is each page, like when you open it up, is is a week. And it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at the bottom. And then I have like January 9th at the top. So I know this is for the week of January 9th. And the other side is blank. And that's where I keep notes of stuff that's going on this week. So this allows me to be like, if someone says, oh, can we do a call, you know, four weeks from now, I'd be like, no problem. And I'll look and I'll be like, yeah, it's open and I can do that. And so I have to run my life through this or there's no way I would be missing commitments left and right. People would be like, yeah, Rod's the flakiest guy in the world. The only reason I'm not flaky is because I keep track like this. So anyway, to make this list, I went through that, went back um, through the book to the beginning of the year, beginning of 2023. And then I went through every week and found all this stuff. And I'm reminded of how much stuff, how much work we did this year. The stuff that's not, there's so much stuff that's not on the list 
And some of those things are we brought our uh, online store in-house with a physical location. We do all our pick, pack, and ship now. We, we, do, we, we don't manufacture T-shirts, but we buy you know, clothing in bulk, and then we have it printed, and we do all that work ourselves, and we stock up all, all of our things ourselves, and that made our profit margin increase so that when you buy something from the CCFR, it helps the CCFR more than it used to. It was, I don't know, we probably made like 10% or something before, right? Now it's far better and it's actually more profitable. Although now we're running a small business, you know, as part of the CCFR. So, um, but our expenses are, you know, the, the increased profit more than pays for the expenses. And it helps us give better service, I think, provide better service to you guys when you buy stuff too than it did. And also redoing all of our accounting practices and our infrastructure as an organization, which should have been done probably two years ago, but we've been busy fighting the government, right? Um, but anyway, all that stuff, I, you know, because I'm reminded by all those things when I go through the book. And it's funny because I keep those books. So then, you know, I can look at the one from four years ago, right? Like what, what did reality, what did day-to-day -day life look like for me back then? You know, it's kind of an interesting walk through memory lane. But anyway, I went through, I had to go th page by page since the beginning of the year because I don't want to, you know, put anything that didn't belong in last year and claim it for last year to you because I'm accountable to you guys as supporters. So anyway, I went through and this is what I came up with. So I'm going to run through this as quick as possible. So in the beginning of last year, we did our original scrapc21.ca project, right? And that was like, I don't know, 75 memes or whatever. We had material in English and in French. We had uh, explainer videos in English and French. I think we had ended up with nine of them, like nine different versions of three different ones or whatever it was. And you can go there. We did the download site so that you could grab all of this social media collateral that we had created. And again, that was um, against Bill C-21 and the amendments. And you could grab it, download it to your own computer and upload them as original posts so that you could do battle in social media, right? Because that's where the CCFR dominates. We, we dominate the government of Canada on social media, which is awesome. Like that's, if we have achieved anything, that's one thing, I guess, right? Um, that also came with a letter writing campaign, step-by-step -step instructions, how to find your MP, how to see how your MP voted, all the rest of that stuff on scrapc21.ca. And we also had that poster project, if you remember, where we created two informational posters and then, and then offered to send, you know, multiple sets of those to gu any gun store and any range that requested them for free, right? Or compliments of you guys, right? Our supporters. And we said we would do 50 sets. Well, we, if you remember, we got... Uh, that 50, I think we got 300 requests and it was within, I don't know, it was, I don't know, within a, a two days or something like that. And so I said, well, it's really not that expensive. So we filled all of them, right? So we sent out 300 sets of those. Now, between Tracy and I, we did over 100 mainstream media interviews. And so, and kind of what that looks like is anytime there's a blip on the gun file, right? Guns are in the media, whether it's Bill C-21 or our court case or OICs, or shootings in the states, or statements made by the, the liberals, or whatever, right? And then there's a little bit of social media um, attention. I would do between three and maybe 10 interviews. And I would say two-thirds of those tend to be radio, and maybe, and, and a lot less, but some TV. And the same thing with Wilson. She gets just as many interviews as I do. So I was looking, I was like, yeah, that's right. We did, you know, 18 together, you know, that that time. And oh, there's a month later, we did another six, each of us kind of thing. So we did lots of radio and we were on CTV, CBC, Global, City TV. And I even did one interview for APTN, the Aboriginal People's Television Network, which was kind of cool this past year. 
And again, the reason why that's important is we want reasonable people to be representing gun owners. It's really important to have legal access to firearms. We've had that since before Canada was a country, and that needs to continue. And the way that liberals are approaching this crime, you know, wave that they've they've created themselves is completely unreasonable and irresponsible. So that message has to get across to mainstream Canadians. So the legacy media still has a place in the home of a lot of Canadians. So we have to make sure that we're present there and our message is, is um, people can understand it, right? Like we all understand it very well because we hear it all the time, not mainstream Canadians. They only hear the propaganda. So that's important work. Uh, we had our hearing, the trial for our $2.5 million lawsuit against the federal government. And Tracy Wilson attended all day, every day in court. I think it was seven, court, seven days in court and live tweeted what was going on all day long. I think she um, wrote 250,000 words with her thumbs over those seven days because there was no cameras in the courtroom. So at least you had a layman's version of like, a layman's account of what's going on, who said what, whatever. We transcribed all of those tweets and we had them translated. That was not cheap, but we had them translated into French and that whole transcription is all on ccfr.ca or firearmrights.ca. And, and it's a very interesting read, probably take a couple hours to read it. But if you haven't, you should check that out. So um, it, was, uh, it was good work by Tracy. And of course we updated propertyjustice.ca. One of the things that we did achieve was uh, amendments G4 and G46 were withdrawn this year. And so there was two things there. There was the withdrawing of the, of the, uh, the amendments and it was also getting the government to admit that they lied, that they were banning a bunch of hunting rifles because they relentlessly boldface lied about it the whole time. What? No hunting rifles. And then at the end they were like, mm, yeah, some rifles that people are hunting with are banned. It's like, mm-hmm, really? So those were important things. And, and I just want to just for just take a minute to explain this. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna sidetrack myself just for a second here. You know, I did a video at the end of last year, it was called an uncomfortable conversation, a year, year end, whatever. I don't know, whatever Brandon named it. But in there it was like, you know, we had when Bill C twenty one um, past, people are like, oh, see, we lost. Well, what the heck? This is all useless. It's like, what? Are you kidding me, man? If if we hadn't been fighting so hard, amendments G4 and G46 would have went through like that. The liberals and the NDP and the bloc, they had all the votes they needed. If that happened, then the May 2020 gun ban would be enshrined in legislation. You would never get those guns back, like literally ever. I mean, we still, we're still going to have to fight really hard. It's going to take time to get those guns back if we ever get them back. That's the, the, that's the reality. Sorry. <laughs> you know, I apologize that reality sucks. Yeah, it does. But those things would have been enshrined in law. Okay? And they're not. So that is a small victory. Yeah, it sucks. Overall, we are losing. But this is how government works. No organization can change a government, but it is absolutely worth fighting. So that was that was a really important thing. And our mandate is also to delay the government, to make them, to disincentivize them from continuing to do things as drastically as they would if there was no opposition. Can you imagine if there was no opposition, if there was no CCFR, right? If the CCFR didn't exist, can you imagine what the, the how emboldened the liberal government and the NDP and the bloc would have been? Like really, like be honest with yourself. Like how, how bad do you think it would have been? It would have been really bad, right? Now, if there was an election had been called, let's say in November or December, right? Last month, 
Bill C-21 wouldn't have passed. Why? Because of all the fighting that we did and all the effort that we put in delayed that bill. It took 19 months to pass that bill, which is unheard of to pass legislation. Okay, Bill C-71 Bill C took 14 months, and that was a long time. And right back in 2019, it took them 14 months. And they're like, this took a really long time. Well, it took 19 months. We really put it to them. And there was a chance that if there was an election, that Bill C-21 wouldn't have passed. But they held on. They're not going to call an election. Jagmeet Singh needs his pension, you know, whatever. But that's, you know, it's just it's just funny, right? People are like, oh, you know, we lost. Like, well, no kidding. But nobody can can stop the government without an election, right? So, you know, that's just our system. Unless you want to tear the whole system down, but that's a completely different conversation. So whatever. We also did National Range Day this year, and it was, uh, I don't, I think it was as big as last year, but I would have expected it to be bigger. But we didn't, as an organization, have that much attention to put to National Range Day this year because we were really busy with Bill C-21. Um, but uh, National Range Day is rolling around again this year. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll put more effort into, into it again. But I will say that some other organizations, like wildlife federations and stuff, um, recognize National Range Day. And they encouraged their ranges to have range events, which is really important. And that's, that's, the, that's the reason why we foot the bill and we did the website and did the logo and trademarked it and told any, any of these organizations, we will give you a license, unrestricted license to produce all this merch and keep the money yourself to promote the idea of National Range Day because we need it. And it had to be done by an organization that didn't want to put their stamp all over it because it is their work. We took that. We, we, we paid for all that stuff. We put the effort in. We developed all of it, the website, the commercials, the uh, intellectual property, and we've already given away the IP to people so that they can make their own merch just so that it gets out there because we need a national range day that is a national celebration. So we saw that move forward a little bit, which was really good. We did over 50 ladies range day events. I think the previous year, which would have been 2022, there was 150, I think. But anyway, we uh, we didn't we didn't have a, that much attention because again we were fighting legislation and fighting the craziest government in the history of the country. Um, but uh, but we still did think about 50 events, more than 50. That's that's a lot of events. But I'd like to see that go to 100 this year. Really really valuable work. Uh, it's underrated but extremely valuable work. We did an appearance obviously at the Senate. We produced a pre-appearance video. That's never been done before, and I think that went over really really well. That was very very valuable. Um, I think the senators that voted for Bill C-21 knew full well that it was a bad bill and they shouldn't have voted for it. But, you know, that's, that's politics, man. But at least they knew, and they knew why it was being opposed. They weren't like, oh, I don't know why everybody's so mad. It's like, yeah, you totally know. Um, and then we did another. We revised that whole Scrap C-21 project to, um, to aim at the Senate, right? So the letter writing, the poster project, all you know, 300 plus poster sets sent across the country to all the people that ordered them in the in the first place. We did another press conference on Parliament Hill. We also recorded and posted all of the meetings at SecD for C21 and made them available to everybody on Rumble and on YouTube, so that if those I don't know if they're on Rumble, but anyway, YouTube at a minimum, so at least you will always have access to those meetings. And we made countless important clips out of the total buffoonery that goes on in the legislative process in Canada. So tons of tons of work there. We continue to relentlessly lobby mainly the conservatives because they're the party that are going to listen to us. 
We attended the CPC convention and the outdoor uh, caucus uh, annual meeting. We filed an injunction against the uh, government of Canada again for trying to run down the deadline to the amnesty to make people try to give them nervous breakdowns or make them angry so they act out or whatever, whatever their motivation is. We filed an injunction to force them to renew that amnesty ahead of time. Uh, again, it was the second time that we did that. So we had to make sure that somebody held their feet to the fire. And speaking of holding their feet to the fire, we did that every single opportunity. Every time that they lied or they um, acted in a disingenuous manner, we were there to hold their feet to the fire, either with a social media uh, campaign or with, um, with content, with memes, with videos, you name it, right? We made sure that they weren't they didn't just be like, yeah, we'll do whatever we want to these people and nothing will happen. It's like, oh yeah, you'll get a social media firestorm and compliments to the CCFR and our supporters and all gun owners. So really, really, really important. If you remember, Marco Menachino was tossed, lost his minister. I think, was he, a, was he minister for a year? I'm not sure. And of course, Talib Nur Muhammad, talk about disingenuous, probably one of the most disingenuous, dishonest people I've ever met in my life. I don't know, just telling it the way it is. We made hundreds of videos in the last year, I looked. Um, and um, and, and we, we actually, the CCFR as an organization, dominates the government of Canada on social media. We dominate the government itself on social media. That's, and if we've achieved nothing else, that's pretty cool. So, and of course, every two weeks we did a, a podcast and every two weeks we did a television show on top of that. So anyway, yeah, that's what we did in the last 12 months. So hopefully that, uh, that explains that. And I don't have to go over that again. It was, a, it was a bit of work just digging that stuff up. Anyway, all right. I'm going to save the rest of the stuff uh, with our chat with, uh, with Wilson. So let's get her on the Skype. All right. Here we are via Skype. We've got Tracy Wilson of the CCFR. Wilson! <laughs> Happy New Year, Giltaka. Happy New Year to you, too, also. Thank you. How was your uh, Christmas holidays? It was all right. I, I, we had a pretty good time. Um, good. It was pretty laid back. I was, uh, I was planning on doing more work than I did. But uh, but I'm happy that I took a little bit of time off. Did you, did you get some rest at least? I did. Yeah. I also intended to do a whole bunch of stuff, you know, work stuff and plug away at it. And I actually just spent some time with the grandson and uh, and Colin and my family. And yeah, it was, it was a small uh, Christmas gathering here, but very nice and very, very nice. Very good. Awesome. Possum. Okay. Now, uh, we, let's get into it. We've got an interesting story that's been floating around. I mean, some of these stories have been, you know, kind of making their way around over the holidays. Obviously, we haven't done a podcast or a TV show in that time, so we're kind of catching up on things. But this is such a good story for so many reasons. So there's a, 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 a deer, a, some species of nuisance deer on Vancouver Island. That's uh, just off mm -hmm. the coast of Vancouver, British Columbia. And um, this deer apparently... For some reason, either it's too elusive, too smart, too small, I don't know. Can't be hunted by regular hunters. We have to bring people in from off-continent to hunt these things for us. So tell us tell us about this story. Yeah, well, I mean, previously in on Vancouver Island, 1,800 of these deer have been killed through traditional hunting uh, methods, right, by hunters. Um, but for some reason, I guess that's not good enough. They say these are nuisance deer that are chewing down the vegetation and it's not able to recover. 
at um, at a proper rate. So what did they do? They went out and hired foreign contractors to come in on helicopters with semi-automatic assault-style firearms, restricted 223 uh, firearms with suppressors and uh, and full-capacity mags and um, mow these de- deer down, um, which to me is is pretty wild. But um, yeah, I mean, it's not like not like groceries are so cheap that we shouldn't need to worry about harvesting any of the meat from these animals. But yeah, I don't know. It's upside down world here in, in liberal Canada. Yeah. So it's funny because I think there was some messaging from the government um, about using firearms like that for hunting. Wait a second. I think I have a clip. Use. The AR-15 example was, was designed for soldiers to use in a combat situation to kill enemy soldiers. Um, designed for military use, designed for soldiers to kill soldiers. Soldiers to kill soldiers. We are today ending the availability of weapons that were not designed for hunting or for target shooting. Guns that belong on a battlefield. These weapons were designed for one purpose and one purpose only. To kill the largest number of people in the shortest amount of time. There is no use and no place for such weapons in Canada. And that's because those weapons are not for hunting. They aren't for shooting a prairie chicken or scaring off a bear. They're designed for only one purpose, to kill people and to look like they can kill people. Just to be very clear, what we have done is we have prohibited weapons that were not designed for hunting or for sports purposes, but rather designed for military use, for soldiers to use in combat. There is no place for those weapons in our civil society. But we know you do not need a military-grade assault weapon, one designed to kill the largest number of people in the shortest amount of time, to take down a deer. But you don't need an AR-15 to bring down a deer. So just so I'm clear, the liberal policy is you do not need an AR-15 to hunt a deer until you do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, these these contractors also, um, out of all the animals that they slaughtered uh, using this method, 20% of them were even the wrong species. So I don't know, just a bizarro story coming out of uh, of of the West. I, I just, I don't understand it. Well, and it, and it costs a pile of money. Oh yeah. That, you know, taxpayer, I mean, I think it's, I think every province is in deficit every year. Mm -hmm. The federal government is so deep in deficit. We may not ever be able to climb out of it ever. And they're just like, yeah, we need to, we need to spend a million dollars doing this. We can't just open it and have open season for hunters. I mean, people, Hunters would probably, because these deer are small is my understanding. I'm not an expert in that stuff. Everybody Yeah, knows they that. are. They're smaller, but they're still edible. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they're edible. And but you know, they might even be more of a challenge to hunt. There are hunters across the the uh, probably across Western Canada that would have traveled to take part in that hunt at no cost to the taxpayer. Yeah, I, absolutely. And of absolutely course, there would have been. Well, yeah, and of course the uh, the operative part of this story, the most outrageous part is they let foreigners come in shoot from helicopters, pay them to do it, let them use prohibited rifles with suppressors, with full capacity magazines. How come these guys couldn't have used five round magazines? I mean, who needs a 30 round mag? I mean, and then on top of that, and I don't want to go on and on about it, but it's like people need to understand why this is so outrageous. 
it's like even the conservation services, oh yeah, now I remember it was it was BC and the Yukon, I think. Both had had done extensive studies. This was part of the evidence package in our lawsuit against the government, and found and found that the most effective hunting rifle and also predator defense rifle is the AR-10 platform, an AR-15 platform was the AR-10 yeah. in 308. And that's what they equipped their conservation officers with. But hey, yeah, they're ideal. you don't it's need perfect. an AR-15 to bring down a deer that is not for hunting. It's completely, it just doesn't exist. You just don't hunt with it other than when the government wants to hunt. <laughs> just, and it's, and people wonder why reasonable people start getting really, really angry because yeah. they're like, okay, here's reality. Yep, never mind. Here's reality. Oh, back to this reality. And they just keep switching back and forth while they accuse everyone else of spreading misinformation. So yes, that's why people get angry and it's completely reasonable. But anyway, yeah, what a weird, weird story. <laughs> yeah, really weird. And I know it made the rounds on social media and people were just like, what? Yeah. And yeah, me included, I'm a hunter. And I was like, what is going on in this country? But that's, yeah, anyway, it just, yeah. But that's our government. That's the government that's mm -hmm. in place right now. It's just everything is inverted, you know? Yeah. Don't ever think you should shoot a deer with an AR-15. Okay, we're going to bring people in from out of the country to shoot deer with AR-15s. <laughs> and then we use a suppressor. Laugh, we're gonna get. It's... We're gonna let them use suppressors. We don't want to disturb everybody. <laughs> oh yeah. And high capacity magazines. Nobody needs more yeah. than five rounds, except. Well, they're the... spraying and praying out the side of a helicopter. Yeah. Like, come on. No, nobody needs five more than five rounds, unless they're people we bring in from out of province, out of out of the country. Then they'll need thirty. Like that's you know, that's the reasoning. Instead of spending a whole bunch of tax dollars on this, you know, they probably could have made money. I think I probably would have paid to go and do it myself. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? I get to hang out of a helicopter with full capacity magazines and just spray and pray all over the place. And it doesn't even matter if I'm hitting the right species, apparently. Like, what? Totally. <laughs> what? Totally. And I'm not, and no joke, okay? Like, completely serious. Like, no, no more joking around. Like, I... I was thinking of like a trip of a lifetime to go down to Texas or Oklahoma or wherever to do that helicopter hunting thing for hogs because hogs are basically destroying yeah. the state, right? So they're they're trying to attract people from out of the country to come and do this heli hunting, full auto, you know, with an AR-15, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, crazy, yeah. Except full auto yeah. version, select fire. And it's $5,000 US for, I think you go up twice for an hour each time, so two hours. And I'm like, ah. I don't, I just can't spend that money. Like I'm not, I'm not rich, right? So I'm like, ah, I, right. just can't, I can't justify that. But man, I probably could have squeezed out two grand to do that on Vancouver Island. Me too. I'd be there right beside you. Like, oh yeah, I'd be all in on this. They could have made, made some money. They could have made a million dollars eradicating those deer, but whatever, man. This is, this is how the government yeah. works. And it's, you know, I don't want to go on and on about it, but it's just, to me, it's just, it is absolutely fascinating how time after time after time, people make the same mistakes over and over again. Like the Trans Mountain Pipeline, I think we were talking earlier, mm -hmm. a, a, a private company was gonna build that pipeline in Western Canada. I think it's from the oil sands to the coast of British Columbia or something like that. And they were gonna build it to no tax, no, no, not a dollar to the taxpayer. It was all gonna mm -hmm. be built as per standards. The Trudeau Liberals, I know this is shocking, get involved in it and now it's gonna be $40 billion by the time it's done borrowed money at interest to the taxpayer. I mean, this is, 
Yeah, and it's still not done. Yeah. Like it- and they're like, wait a minute, you know, maybe there's another way that costs us nothing. We could make money. It's like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> that's, no, let me let me meddle in there. That's hate speech. Screw everything up. Yeah, that's hate cost. speech. Okay, let's yeah. move on. Um, another story. It was really interesting. Is you know our friends over at Polysys. If you they they rarely take any time off. They're always flinging poop, right? Like some kind of circus animal. And it's they they were doing it over Christmas. Yeah. And um, one of the uh, one of the things they 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 commonly shoot themselves in the foot. Um, and what they like to say is, you know, like, oh, no, we don't want to ban all guns. They keep trying to defend themselves so that they don't get the entire firearm-owning community angry at the same time. So they like, no, no, we never, ever want to ban all guns. But anyway, you've got uh, a little bit of uh, little bit of dialogue from them that just shows exactly they, the mask slipped again. Yeah, well, they were tweeting, you know, what's happened to the assault weapons ban? Well, um, the assault-style firearms ban, what they're, they're referring to, was the May 2020 gun ban. That's happened. We've challenged it in courts. Like, that happened three, almost four years ago now. Um, then, of course, with C21, we saw the freeze of handgun sales. And now they're still going back asking, where's the rest? Where's more? What more can we ban? C21 also saw the ban of any future semi-auto models. So... You know, they're still clinging on to that. And I think hunters should really take note because every firearm that is of a caliber suitable for hunting that is either non-restricted or was previously non-restricted is a hunting firearm. It is a hunting gun. So you should take notice because they are absolutely gunning for everybody's firearms. <clears throat> and they um, they won't stop with that. Yeah. Well, yeah. and you know what else is, uh, I was looking through their feed. I hadn't looked at it throughout the holidays, but I looked through their feed and they're, again, right, they're always going to, they said the gun lobby was was basically <laughs> spreading misinformation. I know, I know we've heard this from them so many times that hunting guns were being banned and that's not true. Yeah, they put it in brackets. Not true. Not true. <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, the 1908 Brazilian Mauser bolt action, 100 year old bolt action rifle. Not suitable for hunting. That's not a hunting gun. You know, the Montana uh, ranch rifle, not a hunting gun. The Ruger number one single shot, that's not for hunting. Any of the Mauser actions, nope. The Parker Hale rifles, bolt action, nope. Those aren't hunting guns. Not true. Yeah, gun lobby misinformation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's either, either, you, either you laugh or you get completely enraged. So I choose to laugh at it. All right. Yeah. Oh, and you know, one more thing. Interesting is that um, when when you look at at groups like Polly and they say we don't want to ban all guns and then they turn around and they they talk about banning hunting rifles, which, of course, if you ban one bolt action rifle, the RCMP can go and ban any bolt action rifle as being a variant of that. We That's only right. have about, I don't know, twenty two hundred examples of that. Right. It's not even like it happened yeah. once and we keep trying to leverage that. Um, but it's it's interesting and, and it's really hard to get the message out to hunters. It's like, yeah, you're once we're all gone, the black rifle people and the handgun people, you are next. And one of the th and you know a, a lot of hunters are like, well, you know, they'd have to really justify taking bolt action rifles. Well, I'll tell you this: one of the reasons why it's so easy to beat up on black rifle owners or handgun owners is because you see handgun violence in urban centers. Then you see. In Canada, it's extremely rare, but let's say in the United States, you see quite a few mass shootings and they use semi-automatic rifles and a whole mm -hmm. 
uh, whack of them are with AR-15s. Nowhere near the majority. The majority of mass shootings in the United States are committed with handguns, but whatever, right? We'll just go along with this narrative for now. So it's very easy to turn that on people that are, are uh, sports shooters or, or handgun owners. And you're thinking, well, the, and the hunters are sitting back and they're thinking, well, we're, we're completely fine. You know, those guys are just bringing the heat on us anyway with their black rifles and their handguns. It's like, well, wait till we're all gone because here's the thing. Do you think it's easy for, for the, the government and the media to paint gun owners as dangerous because of all that, because of, you know, and, and link criminal activity with licensed gun owners? How hard is it going to be to start convincing those same Canadians that bought that line that hunting is absolutely cruel and unnecessary. All they need to do is show some oh. hunting videos of animals getting, of errant shots even, right? Wounded animals or animals getting shot in the face or whatever, or in the entrails, right? And having the, their guts spill out. And you think that a few videos floating around like that won't turn Canadians against hunting and think it's a, an archaic, barbaric practice? Absolutely. That, Absolutely. That propaganda machine is going to get Easily. turned on the hunters next. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it's it's like, uh, I don't know. I just think that a lot of people don't realize that, how this game is played. We know that game inside out because we're playing it every day for the coming up on a decade, right? Yeah. And yeah. and everyone that was fighting this before us too for two other decades. Anyway, just uh, I don't think yeah. that should be ignored. All right, next. Tim Thurley, our good friend Tim Thurley, uh, yeah. did a piece on readtheline.ca. Um, why don't you tell us about it? It was pretty good. Yeah, this is a really great article, and I'm just going to read um, just a very quick phrase right from the beginning, and then I'll give you a rundown of what he wrote about. It says here, the increasing radicalism of anti-gun groups and the government's insistence on placating them at the cost of alienating gun users is just destroying Canada's gun compromise, and nobody is going to like the consequences. And what he's talking about here, this speaks to the thing I always call the social contract that gun owners have with the government. We, you know, we we decided a while back we'd accept certain restrictions around guns. They can be inherently dangerous in the wrong hands. So we, we see that. Uh, we'd follow the laws, even if some of them are ridiculous. We'd store and transport our guns safely. We do all of the things. And in return, the government would leave us alone. That's sort of been the understanding and the agreement and the, you know, the way it's gone for decades. And for the most part, it's worked relatively well. Um, but then you get this liberal government that feeds off the radicals in the anti-gun lobbies who get even more radical as time goes on. And this is exactly what we were just talking about, how it's gone from, you know, the scary black rifles to the handguns creeping into the, the hunting rifles. In fact, C-21, the amendments that had to be withdrawn were basically a hunting gun ban. And watch for those to come back um, if they do what they say they're going to do and resurrect CFAC. Um, so it's pretty obvious what the end goal now. And he even has a quote there from uh, uh, the co-founder of Doctors for Protection from Gun Owners or whatever it's called, Dr. Nash. And, you know, she the mask slipped or the curtain was sort of drawn back, however you want to say that. But that famous saying that she said where, you know, it's the guns, it's the guns, ban civilian ownership of guns. Like, it's been pretty clear that that is the end goal. And there's, you know, they're less able to deny that as time goes on. One last point. Back during, in 1995, during C-68 debate, Heidi Rathjen, who's a spokesperson for Polysusuvien, said at that time that if the bill, if C-68 passed without major amendment, 
that they'd be done, that they would no longer fight for federal legislation, that they were happy with that. And that's what it was. And here we are going into 2024 and they're screaming from the rooftops, lighting their hair on fire to ban hunting rifles. Like, you know, this is what he's talking about throughout this article is how they get progressively more radical in their demands because every little bit you give them, they just want more and more. And um, the problem with this, the danger is gun owners, you know, they comply with the laws. We are law abiding people. We are peaceful people. And what's going to happen eventually is this is going to lead to noncompliance. And that's dangerous because that's lawlessness and it's bad for society. So Tim kind of writes this, you know, it's sort of foreshadowing what could happen in the future. And nobody really wants that. And I think, you know, that's important. It's an important piece because he's saying like, hey, you keep pushing these people and pushing them. You break the social contract. You keep coming after them and taking their stuff. Meanwhile, violent crime is going on unabated. And eventually there's going to be consequences to this. People are going to stop complying with these laws. And that's bad. Nobody should really want that. Yeah. So. Well, that's good insight. Yeah, really and, good article. Know, it, and interestingly enough, if you remember in our uh, in our hearing, I think Solomon Friedman had talked about that, that, you know, agreement, that implicit agreement. And I mean, it, yeah, it wasn't a written agreement, but I think all laws are kind of a um, an implicit deal between the citizenry and the government. When the yeah, when citizens contract. say we want Canada to be safer, government is supposed to provide that leadership where they're like, okay, well, we can't do this because that's unreasonable, but we're going to do this. And they and they have to always temper what they're doing or we'll just end up living in an open-air prison. But I think Solomon Friedman brought that up and it was the government's lawyer. Well, I don't know if it was McKinnon or not, but he said, there's no deal with gun owners. Yeah. Right? You were there. I was there. And it's like, you know, these people, it, it's it's difficult because being a gun owner, is it's not easy. It's not easy to become a gun owner. It's difficult to maintain being a gun owner. There's a lot of rules and restrictions. Canada has some of the most uh, strictest regime of gun control in the world. And to hear somebody, you know, that elitist, smug, just dismissive nature of his comments, it's like, yeah, that's the problem is if we don't have a deal, then what incentive is there really to to follow along with this stuff? Right. Well, I yeah, I think that what happens is as these people, these elitists, they're in their little bubble. Right. And they're just like, oh, let them eat cake. And it's like, well, there's a lot of people out there and they're trying to live their lives. You keep stepping into their lives for no reason, like they haven't done anything to have you want to intervene in their lives. And now you're outraged. That they're like trying to say, well, wait a minute, maybe you should think about this. Like, who are you to tell me to think about that? And that's yeah. there. You know, I think the government is doing that not to not to veer out of our uh, out of our lane, but the government's doing that on a lot of different fronts mm -hmm. right now, and that's why people are getting angry. And it's just amazing to me how hard headed people like, you know, the attorney general's uh, folks that uh, that um, defended the government in our lawsuit, how out of touch, how disconnected they are from reality. You know, it's like there's a re yeah. you're you're dealing with law abiding people that work and have half of their earnings taken over half taken by force from them to pay for you, for your salary and to keep, you know, so that you can continue to build castles on Parliament Hill, 10 billion dollar renovations to to, you know, center block. 
you know, build, build your little empires. That's great. But the people have to get their other half. And part of that is just stay out of my life. Yeah. And they just won't listen. And, and that's why you have people talking in such a frustrated tone, I think, a lot of times. Like we heard, right, when Bill C-21 became law, we heard a lot of frustration. And that's where it's coming from. So to all the people that might be offended by what they're hearing, it's like it's not for no reason. It's not like, a, you know, there's 20, you know, 2.3 million Canadians sitting there. It's like, you know, everything's going so great. I just need a reason to be mad. It's like, no, there's a lot of reason, and it's good reason. So I, I don't mm -hmm. know where that goes eventually. Hopefully this government will be gone. Like if you remember, there was a big um, Western separation. I know we're kind of getting off, but this is the podcast. We get to talk a little bit, yeah. <laughs> getting off topic. But if you remember, just before Harper won his first, uh, his first mandate, there was a big Western separation thing going on, a big movement, and it was actually gaining some traction. And then Harper came to power because people were so sick of the ridiculousness of the centrist party in Canada starting to pull left, and people are tired of it. Then Harper got in for whatever, I think he was there seven and a half years, eight years. Yeah. Almost 10 years, Stephen. Yeah, yeah conservatives so, ruled for almost 10 years. But then yeah. that calmed down because life started working for everyone again and, and times were good. Then Trudeau gets in and he's like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pistol whip the West. I'm gonna take their stuff. I'm gonna call them names. And then I'm gonna say, I never called anybody names. Like just act like a hyper hypocritical sociopath, right? Nonstop. And now here we are hitting eight years. And people are like, yeah. holy man, people are getting desperate to get rid of these people. And and it's funny because the elitists like Trudeau and the people work that work for the Attorney General of Canada and, you know, Lametti, the lame Eddie, the old Attorney General of Canada, like they, it's, it's wild. They just don't get it. It's just interesting to me. Well, there's some fresh polling that was out today. I was reading it actually. And it, it's, it was polling Canadians asking, you know, when do you want the next federal election? Do you want it now? Do you want it sometime in 2024 Yesterday. or do you want to wait until the next scheduled federal election, which would be in October of 2025? And it was like the overwhelming majority of Canadians want an election now, not even later in 2024, but right now. So I don't know. I think it'll be difficult to um, to quiet those voices. But, yeah, I think people have had enough. And all this kind of craziness that we're talking about is why, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, the, uh, the last thing I wanted to, to, uh, to bring up today was there's still calendars left, right? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I wanted to mention how nice you look in that new hoodie. You've got one of those brand new hoodies on. I've got one as well. I'm not wearing it now, but I love that color combination. I wasn't totally sold on it, but seeing it, I think it looks great and we can barely keep them on the shelves, but yes. So anyways, kudos to your new hoodie. Um, but yes, there are calendars left. There are a limited number. They will not be restocked once they're sold out. They're sold out. Don't forget those are a um, like a little free ticket into uh, uh, contest draws that we do every month. Um, so you can get in on that. So make sure you head over to the store. And all the funds raised from selling those calendars, <clears throat> excuse me, goes directly back into the CCFR Women's Program and helps us support range days across the country to introduce new voting women to the shooting sports. So very important. Right. Important program. And I think we did over 50 Ladies' Day events in 2023, which I mentioned yeah. in the monologue because I went through what we did just last year. So um, yeah. great cause. And yeah, 
oddly enough, I think this this hoodie was an accident. It was staffer Steve wanted this in gold, but our yeah. our printer was like, don't use gold ink because it cracks and like the shiny stuff. But then Yeah, it gets brittle. Yeah, but then this mm -hmm. came and it was like, this is almost like a just an off kind of coyote brown kind of a little bit more gold. Anyway, it's I actually I wasn't sure about it myself when I got it. And I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it. I wasn't too sure about it either when I saw it mocked up virtually, but I was there at the warehouse when they came in after they were printed. And I was like, oh, these are beautiful. I need one right now. So, yeah, yeah I really, really like it. And it's just something a little different than the typical, you know, black, red, white, gray of CCFR colors. I really like it. Great design, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, it's I think it's I think it's a hit. I really like it. And yeah. by the way, I got my care package. Oh, good. Black and gray. This is the this is the coolest T-shirt. I don't know. There we go. It's got it's the firearm rights or human rights, but this is in the stonewashed premium. Tea. Yeah. So I like we've got that T-shirt comes in a variety of different colors. Some of them are just like flat, regular colors. And then some of them are that kind of stonewashed look. I, I love it. It's almost like a weathered, cool look. So we've got one, we've got that one color so far. Watch for in the coming month or so, watch for the t-shirts to come out in a variety of other stone washed colors. But I love it. I love the look. It's like a premium t-shirt. It's not your typical cheap, you know, run of the mill t-shirt. Just really, really nice. Yeah. Awesome. The new, mm -hmm. the new stuff is really nice. Yeah. So thank you to everyone that has made a purchase uh, of some of the new uh, swag at the store. We really appreciate the help. It helps the CCFR a lot more now than it used to. Uh, yes, the, it does. Uh, for the other stuff. So really appreciate all the support. Okay. I think we covered everything. All right. We did it. Awesome. Well, we'll see you next time. All right. We'll see you then. All right, that's going to do it for episode 157 of the CCFR Radio Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for coming back. Make sure you share this podcast. Get other people involved because there's still more fighting to come. We Who knows how long we're going to have this liberal government for? Could go on for another year. Could go on for another two years. Um, I wouldn't expect it would go on for anything past a year, but we don't know. We're not in control of that. But uh, anyway, I just want also want to say thanks to everyone for supporting the CCFR, for allowing us, you know, looking at that list of things that we did over the last year. We couldn't have done any of that stuff without all of you supporting us. And as I, you're probably bored of me hearing me say it, but it's just, it is an absolute privilege to represent all of you, whether it's in the Senate, whether it's arguing with Talib Nur Muhammad, right, at the, at the uh, Public Safety Committee in the House. That stuff's uncomfortable, but I'm, I have to tell you how grateful I am that you allow me to do that on your behalf. And it is a great honor. Um, it's, it's tedious and it's stressful. But I'll tell you, it just it helps to be able to fight at some level, and um, and it's because of you that we can we can do all these things. So thank you. All right, that's it for this episode. I guess we will see you in the next one in two weeks. We're back on our regular schedule. All right, thanks everyone. Take care, and we'll see you soon. This is another episode of the CCFR Radio Podcast. Remember, if you don't stand up for your own ability to own and use firearms, who will? Join the CCFR or donate right now at www.firearmrights.ca.